It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show. Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 Angry Men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are. Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now, that's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on Masters Thursday. Hope everybody's having a great day on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. and we're on that Raiders mobile app, which you can download for free and listen to the show, and we're really excited about that. Tiger Woods out on the course through 16, got back to one over par. His round was falling apart as I was driving into the studio, he was three over, and Tiger's on a little bit of a roll here and not having a great day with his putter, but Tiger coming alive on the back nine. His playing partner, Victor Hovland, is seven under. At one point, Tiger trailed Hovland, his playing partner, by 10 strokes. John Rahm on the tee right now on the 16th, live on the tee, 152 yards on the 16th, and Rom puts it there, and it's starting to come down, come down the slope. I love a little golf play-by-play. And he'll have about a 14, 15-footer here. John Rom five under. John Rom four-putted the first hole for a double, and he's five under. It's a, he'd be seven under like Hovland if he just parred the first hole. And Scotty Scheffler, uh, look at him. Uh, excuse me, that's uh, Xander Shopley is five under par. So And Kepka from the Live Golfers is four under par. Again, Tiger Woods is one over. He just missed a birdie putt. So I'm liking it. We got the Masters on, the weather. Everybody's in short sleeve shirts, no vest yet. The weather's going to get brutal starting tonight and tomorrow. And the rest of the Masters will most likely be played in the rain and some stoppages and starting and starting and stopping again. So today was a great day to watch the Masters, and I spent pretty much my entire morning Prepping for the show with the Masters on, a tradition unlike any other. I sent out my yearly tweet complaining about the fact that it's not on TV. I had my tablet open. I had it screen mirroring my television until now we get the full coverage on ESPN. If you love the Masters, Vegas is a golf town. From Dragon Ridge to the Summit to Shadow Creek to Angel Park to TPC to Boulder Creek. Wherever you're listening, up in Anthem, all the way out to Summerlin and Red Rock, come on, guys, wake up and do your job, man. It's Masters Thursday. Sound off like you got up here. I know you love golf. I know you can talk about it, man. If I don't solicit your opinion on golf, you're not going to call another show. So let it fly today on Tiger Woods' legacy, the leaderboard, what you want to see, the Live Golf versus the PGA Tour. There's a lot of meat on the bone here, and it's the Masters. Sound off like you got a pair, 702-365-9200. I am going to the Vegas Golden Knights game tonight, and I feel like I'm taking a day off. I am so jacked up for this game. Riley Smith will join us momentarily from your Vegas Golden Knights. I am thrilled to talk to him. That's a big guest here starting off the show. I want to thank the Vegas Golden Knights, as always, for coming through. Uh, The entire team over there, whatever I asked for this week, 
Uh, they got us Ashley Weiss, the broadcaster, and now they're getting us Riley Smith in front of a big game coming up here as the Kings are in town, and it feels like a big, big game. And Riley Smith is one of the better players on the Vegas Golden Knights, and we are excited to talk to him coming up here momentarily. So if you're going to the game tonight, find me somewhere at the Fortress because I'm coming in big. <laughs> I am excited for this game. You know, uh, for the last year or two, I couldn't go to every game because I work at nights, and this is one of the nights I can go. So I'm coming in hot tonight. If you're going to the game, give me a call. Let's make it like the Golden Knights pregame show. I think it's an exciting time here. They're in first place. They're being chased by the Kings and Edmonton, and they got a chance to do something really special here. So this is a team first in the Pacific, 48-22-8. The Kings are coming in, coming off their loss to Edmonton. And if you look at the point race here, Vegas is 104 points, Edmonton 103. Uh, Vegas has got to win this game tonight. Remember, they got Dallas. Final two games are home and away against the Kraken. So with everything that's happening here, this is a game. Now, look, Vegas is already in the playoffs, and they're going to have a high seed, but I'd like to see them get home ice throughout. And I think that's the focus of the team now, and we should be really excited that we're getting one of the players here momentarily to join us and uh, talk about this game and what this means to this town. It's been a great journey with the Vegas Golden Knights as they went to the Stanley Cup in their inaugural season, a loss to the Washington Capitals. They've had some deep playoff runs, but now this is go time. This is go time here because there's an opportunity to do something special, and they can't afford to drop a game tonight. And I think it's going to feel like a playoff atmosphere. I really, yeah, I think it's going to feel like, and we wanted to treat that on the show today like this today. We want to turn this radio station in Las Vegas, as with the sister station of your Vegas Golden Knights, into kind of a playoff atmosphere from here on out as I preach this for quite some time. And I think tonight's the night where we could all come on the radio and our sister station on 1340 Fox Sports Radio and feel good about this tonight and, and back the city. We did that with the Las Vegas Aces as they won a championship. Uh, we try to do it with UNLV football and basketball. We're trying to do it with the Vipers, with our friend Rod Woodson. We do it with the Raiders, obviously, here on the flagship. And I've always done it from day one. Always done it from day one when I left my New York Islanders to be an original fan here with VGK. So Riley Smith's coming off the ice, and we're going to talk to him coming up here as the Masters are in progress, and I'll give you a live leaderboard. Riley Smith, kind enough to join us. Riley, thanks a lot on a game night, and it feels really big. How was your work today? How are you feeling coming off the injury, getting your conditioning back? What's happening? Yeah, you got a lot of questions for me. Yeah. Um, honestly, feel pretty good. Uh, it was nice to get a couple of games back-to-back in on the road. Um, Obviously, you want to be feeling as good as you can before playoffs, and a big part of that is just trying to get games in and trying to get your timing back after missing a little bit of time. So, uh, obviously, we have a, a big game tonight, and, and we're excited about the challenge. Um, it's a team that, you know, you could run up against in playoffs. Absolutely. They all feel big, and being in the league as long as you've been and, you know, the pacing of the season – from the beginning to the middle to now wrapping up a long, grueling regular season. And again, as you mentioned, with you feeling good coming off the injury, does it feel that big tonight? Because you guys have been chased for a while by the Kings in Edmonton. It does. It's an important game for us. Um, you know, their record in the last month has been as good as ours or even better. So um, there's not a lot of room for error. And tonight's one of those four-point nights where you have to make sure that you're coming out with uh, more points than the other team. And um, you know, we've worked really hard to put ourselves in the position we are in the standing, so you can't let teams creep in with the last 
uh, week or week and a half in the season. Uh, Riley Smith joins us. You mentioned your conditioning. I want to talk about the timing of coming back as a goal scorer and seeing a shootout or an overtime and the conditioning late in the game where you're counted on to score. How has your timing been from practice to the game? You know, I think it just takes a, you know, the first few shifts to, to get back into it and get your timing back. Uh, thankfully enough, I wasn't out for too long. So mm. um, I think the longer you're out, the harder it is to, to get back your, your touch and your timing. Um, I didn't feel like there was that much of an adjustment. So that's always nice. Um, and then, you know, when you do get injured, it, it's, uh, you know, there's always a bit of a question mark right away how serious it's going to be. And thankfully for me, it wasn't too bad. With Pavel coming to your line and some of the trade additions that came in at the trade deadline, tell us what it's like behind the scenes welcoming new teammates who are really stepping up and helping the team and the chemistry you're building around them as you're pushing towards the playoffs. Yeah, it's always important to, to have new guys join the group around trade deadline. It means you're, you're headed for the playoffs. And um, it also puts a little bit more parity in your lineup. As I mentioned, You know, there, there's obviously going to be a lot of injuries that come and go throughout the season. And when you have a couple extra healthy bodies that you're able to fill in and um, kind of fill that void sometimes, it goes a long way. Uh, we've had some, some guys picked up at the trade deadline, like uh, Barbashev, mm-hmm. uh, Teddy Bluger. Those guys have come in and, and been key contributors to us. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Pavel, he's done a great job, uh, kind of gotten a, a good opportunity, and he's ran with it. So. Um, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now, and, and he deserves the, the position he's in. Riley Smith joins us as we wrap it up from the Vegas Golden Knights, from playing with Flower in the beginning, Robin Leonard, the other goaltenders, now having Jonathan Quick. When you heard that that day that you were getting him, uh, a goalie who's won two cups, how important was that for the mental mindset of the team, the depth of the goaltender position, and someone you're deeply going to need to get to the cup final? Yeah, the depth of the goaltender position, that, that's been a, a huge thing for us this season. I feel like it's been a revolving door with injuries, and um, hopefully we can get some some more healthy legs back, but you don't know exactly when that's going to come. Glicky came in here with such a great attitude and great mindset. He really wants to be part of this group, and he wants to help us win. Um, I think all the fans and everyone in our organization has seen that pretty clearly. Um, You know, he's got a lot of great hockey left in him, and he's shown it. He's helped us win some tight games, and we're going to need him down the stretch because – you know, that veteran presence, it goes a long way in the playoffs. Hey, Riley, finally, I want to ask you, since you came in and you were drafted in 2009 and the evolution of the sport with the shootout and the three-on-three overtime, and I always see you out there, and you're such an important piece with your ability to score, especially in the shootout. It's kind of a two-part question, how you have evolved with that from being a kid in the way overtime used to be Till now, it really seems like you flourish in that atmosphere. You want to get those two points. You get the one by getting to overtime. But tell me about your adrenaline when you get that break right before overtime and you know you have so many offensive weapons and a great goalie. You're going to go get those two points. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, usually teams are going to put out their, their best offensive players. So you have to be pretty cognizant and you have to play defensively pretty sound because – there's a lot of guys out there who have the speed and the skills to burn you one on one, and um, and then at the same time, like you know, you can slow those guys down, but you have to make sure that you're creating some offense for yourself at the same time because games that go into shootouts are a bit of a crapshoot, and uh, you kind of just hope for the best. Uh, so I think the game has evolved. You you kind of have to adapt with it. Um, I've been fortunate enough to to play enough in uh, overtime and had my fair share of shootout attempts, so. 
you try to make the most of it, but you really have to be on your toes. You're going to be a little bit tired, but you have to know that, you know, the people on the, uh, in the opposite jersey are feeling the same way. So it's a little bit of give and take when you want to take your opportunities and risk a little defense to create some offense. But um, it's just something you, you got to toy with and you got you got to learn the balance. And last one, scoring a game-winning goal in a shootout at home or on the road? What's more satisfying? The fortress explodes, but what's it like when you shut up a crowd and you end the game and everybody goes to the exits? Yeah, it's obviously nice to silence a crowd yeah. um, when you're on the road, but I think I'd prefer doing it at home. Um you know, just being able to play in front of our fans. They're, they're such a passionate group. So uh, any chance to, to ignite those uh, local fans, it's uh, it's number one on my list. Thanks a lot, Riley. Appreciate it, especially on a game night. I'll be out there. The fans, it's going to be sold out. It's a monster game. We greatly appreciate your time. Yep, thanks. Have a good one. You got it. Riley Smith, man, what a great player. What a great goal scorer. What a great leader on this team, and we got him today. And I think that's a big interview in this town to have him getting right off the ice. We waited for a little bit, came right off the ice to talk to us, and very excited about this game tonight and what he can do. And now that he seems to be 100%, he's got his conditioning back, and he's someone you got to count on with Mark Stone out, the goal scorers that were brought in, his ability to be a sniper with Marcia So Carlson. There are times where Riley Smith has the ability to carry this team. He has the ability to carry this team and get really hot. Wow, I just look up at Tiger Woods. He's on the 18th hole. He put his tee shot right on the edge of the bunker. He had one foot in the bunker. As soon as he went and swung towards the ball, his back foot collapsed in the bunker. So he put all his weight on his back foot, and it slid down. His left foot pushed him back into the bunker, and he just hit a ground ball. Just hit a ground ball up the fairway. So Tiger, and look, he's jumping up and down here on the back of his Achilles. He looks okay. But a really, you know, Tiger Woods has played that hole a billion times. I've never seen him look like that on his second swing on the 18th at Augusta. And uh, he looks to be okay. But this is a long day for Tiger, who looks like he's on pace to bogey this hole. And hopefully he can par it and get out of here at one over par. A traditional Tiger Woods round in the opening. Tiger likes to go out and play very conservative in the first round. He doesn't want to blow up. Today he was blowing up. And now Brooks Kepka, the live golfer, four under par, just makes a putt to go five under. I love Brooks Kepka. I love him in the Ryder Cup when he was allowed to play. He went to live. And Brooks Kepka, what a leaderboard. Hovland seven under, Rom six. Uh, Scott five under and Kepka five under. Young five under. This is a hell of a leaderboard as we are underway at Augusta National. All right, now I should mention the Raiders, right, on the Raiders' flagship. Here's what I'm going to talk about with the Raiders today. Uh, I, I got up this morning and I watched a couple of shows talk about Anthony Richardson. I'm going to talk about Bucky Brooks's, uh, Bucky Brooks, who works with the Raiders. He put out his new mock draft. I'm going to save that for the second hour. I'm wide open for the rest of this hour. So yesterday we had too many interviews, and Bobby and I said that. We had five interviews yesterday. Today we only have two. So if you were trying to get through yesterday, you can get through today, 702-365-9200. I believe, and it's not, this is just radio, okay? Radio's pretend. This is all pretend. It's like Disneyland for sports. I believe the media is putting pressure on the Raiders to draft a quarterback. Now, that pressure is not believed by Dave Ziegler, and Josh McDaniels. I'm just talking as a radio host. Every time I turn on the television, today it was SportsCenter, they were talking about Anthony Richardson to the Raiders. They're talking about Will Levis to the Raiders. 
So we haven't even had an opportunity to welcome Brian Hoyer to the show. We welcomed Jimmy G to the show and did a whole day on Jimmy G, and he came on. And I thought that was a really good show. So check this out. Jimmy G comes on the show, and everybody's pretty happy. I mean, a lot of people were happy because they realized what life would have been without Jimmy G. Brian Hoyer now comes in, and Brian Hoyer is a very, 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 very good backup quarterback. Uh, in the room with Jimmy Garoppolo, in the room with Tom Brady, the type of guy. You, if you like Jared Stidham, I don't know how you can't like Brian Hoyer. They come from the same cut. They're the same guys. Okay, so when you look at those guys, Brian Hoyer did not get the welcoming that I like to see. So my wife gave me a New Year's resolution in April. She said to me, don't look at the comments. Because when I look at the comments, I get enraged. Most people would get angry. I get enraged because Brian Hoyer is a nice guy. He's got a number of Super Bowl rings. He's been very successful. And I made the mistake, Bobby, of looking in the comments of the, of the opening tweet of welcoming Brian Hoyer to this proud organization that has had uh, Daryl LaMonica, Jim Plunkett, right, uh, Derek Carr, Rich Gannon, guys like Kerry Collins, uh, go name Matt McGloin, everyone. But now the Raider Nation is at such a fever pitch on any topic, any topic that you throw out there. So a former Raider employee called me today. I'll leave his name off. Former Raider employee says, how are you hanging in there with all this? I said, it's great. I love it. I like what they did. They've added some depth, and they're going to go balls out in the draft. He said, well, that's good to hear because he was reading some of the comments too. So today would be a good day to get by that topic, and Bobby agreed with this as we were prepping the show. Brian Hoyer is the perfect topic today because this is the topic that's triggering the Raider fans. They have no explanation why they're not welcoming Brian Hoyer other than the former helmet he wore. He's a very good backup quarterback. No one will debate that. No one's stupid enough to debate that Brian Hoyer can't play that he can't play at a high level, that he hasn't played in big games, and he hasn't played under the, uh, under the umbrella of the Patriot dynasty. No one would argue that. But people are arguing that he's a backup quarterback for the Raiders. So I think people are actually trying to dumb me down. I'm already pretty dumb. I got a fourth-grade vocabulary to start with. I don't need to be dumbed down more. So I'm looking, and I'm looking for tweets, and I'm looking for people to explain to me why they love Brian Hoyer or not. And the common denominator is he played with the Patriots, which is fascinating to me, that topic in general, because the Raider fans who hate the Patriots and still hate the Patriots just can't get by this topic. This is a brick wall, a border wall in front of Raider fans that they just can't go around. And Raider Nation doesn't realize there's a latch, there's a door right in front of them. They can just walk through. And a lot of Raider Nation's looking up at the wall going, I can't get over this Patriot topic. They brought in Danny Amendola. I want to drive my car off the road. When Danny Amendola could be a great coach. Great coach. He might be a head coach someday. Who knows? But the Raider fans are seeing a wall in front of them, and it's got the Patriot logo, right? And it's got the Patriot colors, I have a great example here in Bobby Machado, my longtime producer, my partner, who's been a diehard Patriot fan his entire life. And you summed this up beautifully today when we were talking about winners and past winners coming here. That's supposed to be a good thing. It's like that in all business, isn't it? I would think so. You know, I mean, let me help the Raiders with one little thing. I yes. know if the Patriots are driving you nuts, try to remember Brian Hoyer was a Cleveland Brown at yes. one time also. Absolutely. 
And, you know, so we're trying to use this platform. It used to be called shows. They're now called platforms. We're trying to help the writer fans get through these issues that they can't get through. And they just blame me, some of them, because they think, like, I hired the guys. Uh, JT's the guy who moved us from Oakland. JT's the guy who brought in Jimmy G. No, I'm not. I'm just a guy on the microphone from noon to two every day. I've seen some really great memes out there, too, by the way. I think there's like Don't a, bring up the memes, please. Yeah, there's a couple that are I pretty know. funny. I know. Don't bring but. up the memes. <laughs> Don't bring up the memes. Uh, I, I just want to kind of set this topic here right. So well, let's get a couple of calls from some Raider fans on how I can help them get through this Patriot wall that's in front of them. Because we haven't done that topic yet. And today's a good day. I'm, all, I'm already, I got a bucket of Modelo on ice. I'm going in big to this Golden Knight game tonight. Going to be a great I'm, game. I'm, I can't wait for this. But I thought this was a good topic because, you know, as a few call me the Raider therapist, which I don't like that, but I'll take it as a compliment. Um, this is something I can help everyone with because I grew up a winner as a sports fan. I grew up the son of a Yankee fan. Yep. So when I was born, all the Yankees did was win. I so know. I was born into a winner. I know. I went to high school for four years when the Islanders won the Stanley Cup four years in a row in high school. I lived the life of a winner. I was born a Giants fan. The Giants have eight, eight NFL championships, four before the Super Bowl era, four after. I'm full Raiders now. Coming in my 25th year. But I grew up with winners. And I think the Raider Nation has grown up with elite winning. Most Raider fans are the A's, right? The A's won a whole bunch, four World Series. Reggie Jackson, you just saw the documentary. The Raiders have won three Super Bowls, played in five. So the Raiders have a sense of winning, the Raider Nation and the fans. But the fans now can't see the winning anymore. Mm -hmm. They can't. They can't see it. I think I know where this comes from, too. Why is that? You've got to remember, a lot of the, uh, you've got Raider fans that are like in their 50s. They went through the 70s and the 80s yes. here, all right? But you're talking about kids now in their 20s, 25, right. 30. They don't remember anything except the tuck rule and years and years of losing. Right, and that, that's very true. But any fan in their 20s, I have a son who's 21 and 19. Most are smart enough to realize that if you bring in winners— from other organizations, that's a good thing. Right. But what's, what's the problem with the Raider Nation now is, is that the Raiders didn't win last year on the introduction of the Patriot way to Vegas. Mm -hmm. So it's fueling them not to believe or to have a sense that it could change. But that's the thing they got to remember. This is, victory is not a hot pocket. You don't throw it in the microwave. Ten <laughs> seconds that. later, it's good to go. It takes time. Yes, and I understand. I understand no one's on the front lines more than me. I understand the passion of the Raider Nation, and I understand what they're going through. And I think now it's becoming ridiculous that you can't bring a player in from certain organizations and the Raider fans can't welcome them. I'm talking about a level of being polite and being gracious and saying, this is my team. I welcome you to our team. We want you to win. You can help my life by winning and making my life better. We've lost that sense from a pocket of fans, and I'd like to not debate those fans. I'd just like to kind of walk them through what they're thinking about today. Once a Raider, always a Raider, right? You would think. You would think. That's what they told me. Always been that way. Always been that way. So that should be a good topic for you if you'd like that. 702-365-9200. Tiger's putting for birdie, uh, for bogey. He's got to make this putt. It's about a four-footer on the 18th uh, to stay to go to two over. He makes it. Not bad. 
Tiger was three over for the entire day. He ends up two over. He got to one over. He grinded. Tiger shot 38 on the front, two over. And on the back, he shot even, 36. This could have been a disaster today. At one point, I thought Tiger was going to be five over. Victor Hovland shot seven under, and Tiger's two over. So the guy he played with, one of the guys he played with, beat him by nine strokes. Nine strokes on 18 holes. And Tiger just threw his uh, glove to the side. He is not happy. He is marching. He is marching to the players' lounge, to the scorer's tent, and he is not happy. So Tiger Woods finishes his round two over. The good news with this for Tiger, and he's pissed. I'm telling you, everybody, he is one pissed off Tiger Woods on that same path that he's walked after he's won four green jackets, the same piece of grass, and the camera's in his face, and he's not happy walking with Hovland and Xander Shoffley. So the good news for Tiger is he plays late tomorrow. The bad news is the weather's going to be pretty bad. So if Tiger tomorrow has no choice but to shoot at the flags and play a little bit more of an aggressive round of golf. That's the monologue brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. Uh, Every PTs tonight, every Golden Entertainment Lounge Tavern is going to have the Vegas Golden Knights on. I talked to our bosses, our partners over there. They are dialed in. They actually texted me this morning and reminded, if you didn't get a ticket to this game tonight, perfect time to head to a PTs and watch the game tonight. All the specials, everything they have there. PTs, they fuel the monologue. Thanks to Riley Smith. Thanks to Riley Smith for coming on. And we'll wait and see if the phones ring from the Patriot haters. Or I'll just talk for another 30 minutes. Which is what I've been doing a lot lately, Bobby, in April and March. And uh, this could be vacation time, but it's the Masters, and I'm not going anywhere. Uh, Big game for VGK tonight, and more on the Raiders draft and what they do at number seven. Lefty goes right, shoots, he scores! Flurry thought he had made the save, it trickled through, Riley Smith. The Knights' leading scorer now has his 19th of the year, and the Knights extend their lead. We just had Riley Smith on, turn it up. This is a bucket of Modelo alert. I will have a rare Thursday bucket of Modellos with my buddies tonight on the way into this game at the Fortress. It's going to be big. Great quote from Bobby. Victory is not a hot pocket. That ranks with some of my other great quotes. I'm not promoting injuries. I'm promoting violence. And also, it's not your parking lot meet. When I say meet up Vegas, right? Meet up Vegas, code word JT Brick. Welcome back, everybody. This place is dead. I need to wake it up. God, thank God I'm on the radio. Thank God I'm here every day with this energy set. Man, not on vacation in the offseason, man. Let's get this going. Let's get a Vegas Golden Knight call in here. And the call to action today is a very strong topic. Why do you hate the Patriots? I mean, that's the, that is low-hanging fruit, baby. That's like the lemon tree in the backyard, man. You just go, you know that lemon tree that's right there in front of you? You grab it. Why do you hate the Patriots so much? So I went to the great Tom Hum, a brother of David Hum. I said, Tommy. He's in the hallways. Great. Legend in radio. Tommy, why does everybody hate the Patriots? And he says, because they win. I said, well, give me another one. He goes, the tuck rule. I go, oh, there you go. The tuck rule. And the other one, because his brother won two Super Bowls and Tom was there for all of it. And he said, they won more Super Bowls than us. 
And I said, thank you, Tommy. I got to go back in the studio and throw that out there to the audience. You all got a problem with the Patriots. So do I. I never liked the Patriots. I never liked it, but the guys in the building now work for the Patriots. And I got a whole bunch of rings and safes all over New England. You know, at houses where they got walk-in safes, and they got this year, and boom, this year, and this year. Okay. We don't want failure here. We want the people with the vision here. Okay, get over your Patriots angst. Okay, these guys saw things that the Raiders didn't see over the last 19, 20 years, and now it's got to work. So if if this team doesn't become as successful as the Patriots, then you're going to have a lot of time to blank and moan about why this team couldn't become the Patriots. I get that. What do you think I'm doing here? Six wins is not the Patriot way. But these gentlemen and scouts absorbed this roster where they looked at and said, we need to tear this roster down. Not because the guys before us who were the head coach or the GM were bad guys. Not at all. It's because we don't want those players and that style of play on this team. And then once you did it to Derek Carr, then not just it just popped the bottle. The, the bottle just popped open at the top and everyone said, oh my God, we're getting rid of Carr. For a Patriot? No, for even worse, the Raider Nation hates the Niners. How about that exclamation point? So that even boiled up the Raider Nation. We got a former Patriot who was a former Niner. But one of the greatest Raiders of all time is a former Patriot who was a Niner. Jim Plunkett. Raise a Modelo to Jim Plunkett. Right? Two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP. He was battered and bruised. He sat on the bench. Al Davis said, Jim, just rest. We're going to need you. And what happens? The rest is history. Iconic Raider history. I'm not comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Jim Plunkett. I'm saying that their stories are similar when they came to the Raiders. And even so, Plunkett was battered and bruised. Jimmy Garoppolo's not now. Jimmy Garoppolo now is healthy. But Plunkett was getting hurt a lot, and Garoppolo's been hurt. So this combination, perfect storm. Bobby, this would be a much easier world for me to live in if the Raiders hired people from Jacksonville and Cleveland because then Raider fans would have no expectations. But the fact that Mark Davis brought in former Patriot coaches and executives here, it's just triggering some Raider fans where they need some therapy on this. And we'll all get through this together. We'll all get through this together. So let's go with uh, Dennis first. I want to start with Dennis to stay on this topic. Uh, Dennis, what's your problem with the Patriots and the way the Raiders are running this now? Let's get this problem out of the way like men. Go ahead. Okay, say that one more time. Hi. Thanks for having me. Go ahead, Dennis. You called me. You called me. We're talking about the Patriots now running the Raiders and their success with the Patriots. What problem do you have with that, if any? I don't have a problem with the, the Patriots or any other team coming in with the head coach. You know, they're going to bring in who they think is going to be valued to their, their club. As far as I resolved is that Ziegler came from the Patriots and they drafted what? 32, 31, 30 mm-hmm. for how many years? So they did a really good job in that regime, you know, so I don't have a problem with that. Let's just, act like Raider fans and let's not like bicker at each other on social media and downgrade my team, you know, who I root for. So thank you, Dennis. That's a nice call. I appreciate you starting us off on that. That's a good way to go. Remember there's, there's a tiny, tiny, tiny population on social media. Not everybody has social media. Most people listening don't. Most people don't care about Twitter and Facebook. You know, billions of people are on Facebook 
and hundreds of millions on Twitter, but most people don't use it as a sewer and a platform. But a lot of people lately use it in sports to tear down other people and tear down teams. I just don't like when you tear down your own team. That's never been. I've never, here's a good, good piece of JT trivia. I've never once booed ever in my life once my team. I've never booed in my life once. I boo the crap out of the other team. And I yell, and I've been known to throw a cup down and be upset at my team and scream on a pick six or something, but I've never sat there consciously and booed my coach when he came out of the tunnel or my team. I hope most people don't do that because that's that's alarming as a sports fan. That's when you're triggered. You hear that term in politics all the time, people are triggered. If you're a sports fan and you're booing your own team and you're paying for tickets, you have the right to boo. I'm not going to tell you you don't have the right. You do whatever you want. But I'm just telling you what I would do. You know, when the teardown effect of tearing down your own team is troublesome to me. Phil Mickelson just makes a birdie putt. Phil is one under. Uh, bogey for Kepka, who's now four over. Hey, Phil's playing pretty well. He's got a double bogey on the card, and he's one under. Uh, Big Al in San Francisco, always a responsible voice with the NBA and the Raiders. What's going on, Big Al? JT, I rarely yell at the television. I just roll my eyes an awful lot when I see when my when my team is uh, is underachieving. Is kind of a nice word, mm. I, I like to say. But uh, speaking of one of my teams, um, we're going into the last two. You know, most teams have two, have two games left in the NBA season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Warriors are one of those teams, and I'll be up in Sacramento with them on Friday night. Um, they can fall anywhere into nine. They're in. They're in five. Or they're in six now. After the you know with tiebreakers and all that kind of stuff, you know, all of these teams go. If you're going from Phoenix down, you know, south, you know, you know, in the standings uh, to Dallas, they're all infuriated. Sometimes all of these teams look really, really good, and sometimes they all look really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Warriors are certainly fall within that category. Tomorrow's game, even though it doesn't really mean much to Sacramento, it's probably the most important game that the Kings and the Warriors have ever played in the 35-plus years they've wow. been in Northern California. Think about that for a second. None, neither one of those two teams have ever made the playoffs in the same year mm. since they've been to, in California. The Kings, were the, the Kings came later. Uh, the Warriors were there in the 60s. The Kings came in the mid-'80s. So we don't know if the Warriors are going to make the playoffs. We know they're going to make a play-in. Mm-hmm. Play-ins don't count because you can't. They don't go against. They they count, but they don't really count because they don't. There's no statistics kept for playing games. Well, Big Al, we've talked about this when you've called in and you're at the games. The fact that the Warriors were so lackadaisical on the road this year, which is a, it's evident that the organization and there's injuries and it, you know playing on the road's tougher than at home. But with that horrible all-time worst road record for a championship team, it sent a signal to me that they aren't locked in, nor did they care about the regular season. And they're one of the only championship teams that I've ever seen that truly want to flip the switch in the playoffs. There's a lot of other teams that have to flip the switch because they're not the Warriors and they don't have four titles. It looked to me all year long that the Warriors bailed on the road, bailed on the regular season, and now want to show everybody that they can flip the switch. Is that accurate? I think it's more multifaceted than that. I think with um, injuries, which mm. is different than load management, and you know how I feel about load management. Right. 
Um, and the way the schedule, uh, some of the scheduling fell um, was certainly at a disadvantage. Should they have won more games than they've won on the road? Yeah, unequivocally. I mean, you know, I watch mm. these games and I chart these games, and they should have won much more on the road. But, um, you know, they had certain instances, like they go to Memphis for a game, then they go, you know, play the road trip, go home for one or one or two, and then they go back to Memphis, you know, eight, nine days later. And that happened three or four times. Those are tough type of trips. And then mm. with the overtly conservative way that uh, that the organization manages injuries and mm. the mutually exclusive uh, load management, um, it certainly gives that it certainly does right. give that appearance. But in the last five or six road games, they've actually played much better. They should have beat Denver. Mm. That was that was awful. Got it. All right, I got to run, Big Al. I'm up against it. Really appreciate your call because I want to spur some NBA talk here on the show this time of year. It's a very important time. And uh, Big Al charts the game. He's a statistician. He's a savant when it comes to basketball here. The, the big topic when it comes to the NBA is this. Here's the big topic in the NBA. Why don't you care anymore? Most people that I talk to in a private setting, like tonight at the hockey game, I'll ask everybody, hey, man, do you watch the NBA? And the, half the people will say no. And I'll go, why? And they go, and they have a list of reasons. Politics, they don't like LeBron, they don't think, they hate load management, they don't think the players care enough in the regular season. When I was growing up, and I, I, when I moved out west in the late, you know, early 90s, I would go to every Nick game at a sports bar and, and dive into every play. That was Ewing versus Jordan. And every game meant my life to me in the regular season. And then the playoffs, it was magnified. The NFL is alive and well in week two. In week seven, we treat it like it's life or death. Hockey, we go to a game tonight. It's not a playoff game. These two teams are going to play like it's game seven. They're going to do all of that, right? The Masters I'm watching today, every shot is critical. You go to a regular season NBA game, it's the biggest scam in sports now. No one cares. You never see all the stars play. It's a lackadaisical. There's no defense. Everybody's just chucking up threes. But the key to the NBA is when the playoffs start, it might be the best sport. Once the playoffs begin, everybody plays to their best. Everybody plays hard on every possession. Every team plays harder defense. And every play, ball on the ground, they're diving for its life or death. But we're smart. We're all smart as sports fans. We saw what's happened to the NBA in the last three or four years. It's devolved into a sport where they don't care. So why should you? I'm a season ticket holder for multiple teams at times. If I ever go to a game and my team doesn't care and they mail it in, I'm returning my season tickets. I don't care if you lose the game. You're going to lose. But act like you care. And the NBA has taken their brand with some of the greatest players to ever play. LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum. There's an exceptional group of guys that play hard every night. But overall, it's a lazy-ass product. That is being devalued because the players are making way too much. Anthony Davis makes $330,000 a game. And he shoots jump shots from 18 feet away and misses most of them. It's a lazy game until about a week from now when everybody all of a sudden gets a wake-up call to play their ass off. All right, Victor Hovland in the lead. He shot 65-7 under. John Rahm is on the 18th, and he is 6 under. What a leaderboard. Hovland, Rahm, Young, Shoffley, Scott. And Justin Thomas is in 11th at two under. Tiger Woods finished two over, which wasn't bad considering how his day was going. Uh, this is going to be the only good weather day at the Masters, and then it's going to turn into the Mudders playing in some wet weather coming up. 
You're listening to the flagship of the Silver and Black. If we were to lose, we would not be getting invited to the White House. And I remember she made a comment about both teams should be invited because it would be the it was sportsmanship. And I'm like, are you saying that because of what I did and what like that stuff like that? It it bothers me because you are a woman at the end of the day. And you're supposed to be standing behind us before anything. So it's hard to see things like that and not to comment back on it. That's Angel Reese, the star from LSU, clapping back at the first lady of the United States of America. Oh, my God. I mean, you can say what you want about politicians and presidents and first ladies, but normally you don't comment on the record about it when you're in college. And the biggest topic this week, as the week wraps up, we got another show tomorrow. Without a doubt, the Masters took over starting today, but the beginning of the week it was Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark and what happened in the women's Final Four and then the national championship game. South Carolina got beat. Their coach, Dawn Staley, had to go on the offensive to say, and hear some of the derogatory terms she heard about her team. And then Angel Reese ends up beating Caitlin Clark, and during the game she's taunting her, which I didn't have a problem with. So Tom Looney, my podcast partner, and I did a podcast that is up right now. You can get it wherever you get your podcast on women who are allowed to trash talk. And we went through you know, these two young girls and Angel Reese trash talking. And the grown-ass men who went on Twitter and criticized this young African-American girl. It's kind of a touchy topic because there is a big race element to it that shouldn't be. But there is because our country is racially divided. And it has been. And it probably will continue, which it shouldn't. But this story got everybody divided on race and behavior. What is the proper behavior for women in sports? It should be no different than men. If men are allowed to lose their mind, women should be allowed to lose their mind. If men are allowed to use profanity, women should be allowed to use profanity. And men all the time are using hand gestures to celebrate victories. Aaron Donald, when he sacked Joe Burrow to win the Super Bowl, put his hand up in the air, pointed to the ring. That's exactly what Angel Reese did. She pointed to a ring finger, means she's going to get a championship. But then, here's where it got unique. Jill Biden, the first lady, she's all about being nice. She is. I don't know the woman. I, you know, I don't have anything politically. I'm not politically triggered. I don't hate the first lady. And she says, why don't both teams come to the White House? Oh, my God. You would have thought that she invited some foreign psycho to come to the White House in politics. So that broke the Internet. And Reese is doubling down on this. This is what, this is what a young girl's saying directly to the first lady of the United States. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't accept the apology because mm. of... You Jill, said what you Jill said. Biden. Yeah. First the, lady. The wife. First lady. Yeah. You said First what you lady. said and you, you meant what I you said. I said what I said. And, like, yeah. you can't go back on certain things that you, you say. I mean, you felt like they, they should have came because of sportsmanship, right? They can have that spot. Like, we'll go to the Obamas. We'll, we'll, we'll see, <laughs> I'm going to see Michelle. Does, I'm going to see Barack. Hold on, hold on. So did, did you guys speak to the First Lady? No. Apparently she was supposed to come to our locker room before the game, but we said no. Before the game, yeah, they were all. She was supposed to come to our locker room and go to Iowa's locker room. I don't know if she talked to the, the lock them. I don't know if she did, but we said we didn't want to. We didn't. We didn't want her coming Why? to the locker. I think Joe Biden had put 
somebody else to win a national championship. He didn't even put this on his, his bracket to get out of Baton Rouge. So I was like, bet. How much disrespect do you have to have to the, for the White House to say, don't come to our locker room before the game? I mean, this is crazy. But she's building a brand. Angel Reese has got a really big brand coming off playing basketball and being a star. She basically told, she threw shade at the first lady of our country. Said, no, we don't want you before the game. We don't want to go to the White House. We don't want you after the game. Because you didn't pick us to win? No one picked LSU to win. Everyone picked South Carolina to win. So this is amazing. Here's Angel Reese doubling down again. I mean, this, this won't stop. She's now inflamed on this topic. Did you guys speak to the first lady? No, apparently she was supposed to come to our locker room before the game, but we said no. Before the game? Yeah, they were all. she was supposed to come to our locker room and go to Iowa's locker all room. All right, we just played that. So th- that's what's happening there. And as you look at this, I just think this is an incredible topic. It really is an incredible topic. Fascinating topic that a girl that no one knew, other than a couple of basketball fans, is now the talk of sports. Everybody wants to interview her. That was from Brandon Marshall's I Am Athlete, and she's, she's doubling down. What a story. What a story. She threw shade at Caitlin Clark. She won a championship. She disrespected the first lady. She says she wants to go see the Obamas instead of the Bidens, and she's raking in millions of dollars now going forward with her name, image, and likeness. This is where we are in society today. I encourage young women to say whatever they want because I cover mostly men for a living, and they say whatever they want. I just have to point out what she's saying. I've been doing this a long time. I have never heard of a female athlete ever disrespect a first lady like that and say what she does. She's very confident, very confident to say this. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you think it, it's, it shows that she's a confident young woman who can express her feelings well, or do you think there's a level of sportsmanship that should be adhered to? Right, you're, you're just laughing about it, Bobby. This whole country, this world's been based on sportsmanship. From Chris Everett and Billie Jean King to Mia Hamm to whatever it is, there has been sportsmanship before in female sports, Bobby. Yeah, I know, but this is the 21st century, and all that stuff's out the window now. Okay. All well, of it. Uh, well, this is pretty, I'm happy you grabbed the sound. I'm happy you grabbed the sound because I didn't hear all of this. I knew you wanted me to play it, man. It is That is aggressive sports radio sound, no doubt about it. All right, next hour coming up, Vic Sapienza will join us. He covers the Raiders and the Golden Knights. Everything here, he knows it's a big game tonight at the Fortress. And then we'll get into it a little bit later on, what's happening with the Raiders and Anthony Richardson. Seems to be the quarterback that most mock drafts have the Raiders going after. Not Levis, but Anthony Richardson. So the media perspective on all that. When we continue, one more hour to go on the Masters Thursday with a really impressive leaderboard.